first of all, thank you very much for the invitation and also <coughs> preparing and organizing this meeting. I'm very much looking forward to it because I'm doing research in learning outcomes and measuring learning outcomes for over yeah, <laughs> 15 years now. And I'm from Germany and I have worked at the INCHE, which is a little center in the middle of Germany in Kassel. And now I'm moving to Hanover to another institute doing research in higher education and it's called HISHAI. So I'm really interested in doing in different methods. I'm a psychologist and I'm using psychometrics to do so. <coughs> and so I'm really interested in different approaches in measuring competences in the way or the, the definition of what kind of approaches are we using and what kind of competences of or learning outcomes are we capturing by using different methods. So first of all, Heike asked me to start with a little overview over Germany. And that's actually the, the structure of the educational system in Germany. And Camille, thank you very much for your announcement that there are so different paths in the UK to get access to the higher education system here. So that's really different in Germany. It's changing a bit. But at the moment, so that's the age of our young people. So they're starting with the primary school and then, then they have actually to choose different types of schools. Mm -hmm. And only if you choose one, the, the, the top level, um, the gymnasium, you're allowed to go to higher education systems. So the people, or the young people who are choosing the different paths, they have a harder time to get access to higher education systems. So that's, you might know about it, but I just wanted to reflect on it. So we ha we've got a highly selective uh, type of higher education system in Germany. So that's important to keep in mind. So what we've got is the, the system is changing at the, at the moment. In the past, I think the main aim has been to, um, to educate and support pupils to to become our academic. But now we've, we found that over 50% of our cohort is entering higher education system. So of course, we are more preparing our students <coughs> for the labor market. But as you might know, <laughs> the, the higher education system in Germany, it's not closely related to employment, and not closely related to, to the ma uh, labor market. It's uh, governed by the public goes, so it's mainly the national state who, and also the federal states who are governing the higher education system. Just, this, just as a recall, as a very short introduction to the German system, but now I would like to start to think about what is the aim, what is the learning outcome of higher education system. And in my opinion, it's very important to define and to think about what is the main idea going through a study program and how, what should we support? And I really like the definition of Marx and Coatsworth <coughs> because they are saying it is actually a pattern of effective adapt adaptation to the environment. Of course, you have to take into account the age, gender, and the context, the cultural context. So this is a dual meaning of competences and it, it considers the tracks of achievement, but also um, the capability to perform well in the future. <coughs> so it's also the perspective in the future, and you, can, you are able to learn and develop competences. 
So I would like to introduce five different approaches I got across. And there might be more approaches, but I'm just highlighting on this part how we can actually assess this kind of competencies. And I think this goes quite well along what you already said, so thank you for, for our exchange here. I think, as we heard already, self-reports are very, very common. Because if we are looking at a pro-definition of com competences, there are not a lot of measurements to measure social competences, <coughs> communication, or anything like that. So mostly they are using self-reports. I think the job requirements and the student engagement are also under indirect measurements, and they are always also based on surveys. But there are also uh, two approaches which are more direct. They are achievement tests and performance-based tests. So I would like to shortly introduce some examples for each of the five approaches, and then com compare them. So as we heard, uh, the self-reports are very, very common in a lot of questionnaires. And we just got an example here from the US where, you, where the students are rated or asked to rate their own current level of competence. And as you might imagine, this might be very much influenced and biased by different contexts and the way you look at yourself. Of course, I, I would be quite critical using this kind of assessment to make any announcement or any measurement uh, ways to, you know, on an individual level that we can actually say what the students have learned based on self-reports. I think there is um, there is also some. And some research on the validity of self-reports, mm -hmm. and they can show if we aggregate the self-reports on an institutional level or even higher, it might be a good measurement for some points. But, as I said already, there is cultural and context influence, and there's no doubt about it. Mm. So another approach, which is also based on self-reports, but they are very much looking into the way you are asking. It's the job requirement approach, and I think it's an international approach. It's very well developed mm -hmm. for specific, actually for PIA. There has been an international compare um, uh, research asking adults <coughs> how capable they are. So they use this specific approach. <coughs> the basic assumptions are so the activities that individuals engage in their workplace, they really reflect the demands and the requirements they're working on. So if you are asking the employees, what are you doing? What are your daily activities? <coughs> you get an proxy of, of how capable they are. And if you put your question on a different level, for example, I have to read every day more than 10 pages, <laughs> then you might get an um, idea of what they are doing and how complex the duties they are. So that's the job requirement approach, and they're very uh, common for um, um, if you're doing surveys on a graduate at a labor market. <coughs> and they, do, they, use, they use staff reports, but they use a very specific way of asking. 
So I think we can use it as a proxy, but you should be very careful again to, if you're talking about the individual level, how capable one person is, I would be more cautious. Again, if you aggregate on a, on a different level, example for different study programs, it might be quite good to compare different um, profiles. <coughs> so I think we have heard about the student engagement. Again, in my opinion, this is a self-report because it's based on the reports of the students. So they are asked, what activities are you involved in while you're studying? And there are different uh, benchmarks or dimensions they're using, and, and it's most often uh, used. It's very popular, as, <laughs> as you pointed out. And I think the interesting point about the student engagement is, it's not, I think the most important uh, idea of it is to get into peer learning from different institutions. It's maybe not the biggest advantage of using it as a learning outcome or a method of assessing learning outcomes, but it's a very good um, way to compare and to learn from each other. <coughs> Again, I think the research which is being done, and we just heard about it, they try to connect with the, what their students report in the survey with a more objective way, what, what they can observe. And I think we need more theoretical and, and empirical driven research to make sure the announcement and the statements we are doing, it's really based <coughs> on research so far. Because when they're using GPA, there is some connection, but it's quite weak. So I think there is correlation, there is shared variances, but I think we should be very careful in overestimating the power of such kind of research. If we're changing and if we are leaving the approaches of surveys and questionnaires, and I think we just heard that it's getting more important to get more objective measurements, I think it's um, we have to make to, to make sure what kind of understanding we are having. We just heard, um, for example, Ahelo has used um, critical thinking. And this is actually based on an IQ test. <laughs> so mm -hmm. keeping in mind the definition of competences, which is quite broad in my opinion, I think we have to be very careful while using this kind of assessment because it's getting really close to intelligence. And coming from Germany <laughs> and having a, a broad understanding of education, I think it's really important to get engaged students and to support students in developing themselves. So I'm a little bit critical about to, you know, to narrow it down. But anyway, we have some uh, huge program, research programs going on using uh, this kind of achievement test. Unfortunately, we haven't heard uh, Dick Van Damme this morning. He would have talked about Ahelo, I'm quite sure about it. The, it was a pilot in 2009 and 2012, but they decided on different, different um, based on the, on the research and based on the uh, results they've got 
they are not proceeding at the moment. And I think one reason has been that there has been a huge or a lot of methodical questions. But anyway, um, I think they, they're going further. What they have done, they um, especially look at the economics front and also at the engineering front. So they tried to compare specific study programs with each other. And as I said before, for the generic skills, they use IQ tests, actually. The other example I brought with me, it's, the, it's from Germany, the Coco HS. It's a really a huge national-wide program, which is funded by the Bundesministerium. So there were 24 projects initiated, and they are looking into measuring competences in a very discipline-specific way. So they are really getting close to achievement tests, similar to PISA. So they're trying to compare uh, economics, for example, or engineering again. But then it's very much close, or it's, you know, it's competences in a specific way. So they're not, they're, they're looking, some of the projects are looking in more broader uh, understanding of learning outcomes, but the males are really looking into um, this very discipline-specific competences. So I am based actually with my project in this uh, uh, funding. But I will talk about this a little bit later on. So I think the big advantage is, of course, they, they allow direct measurements of the level of competence, even on an individual level. So if you're interested in how competent a student or graduate is, you can use this method, in my opinion. But of course, then you have to think about what kind of competences or learning outcomes you're measuring. And when we are talking about uh, gain in, in competences or gain in learning outcomes, normally we have to, to have at least two uh, times of measurements to see the, the gains of learning. And I think Camille already pointed out that we have an issue here that the students are not motivated at all <laughs> to participate in this kind of research. So that's a big issue also in Ahelo. They had a lot of dropout, so we have really difficulties to do proper research in this area. <coughs> so, going back to the definition of competences and trying to get a holistic uh, picture of competences, and also not talking about only about cognition, but also talk about the behavior in complex situations, Blumecke, Gustafsson, and Shepardson pointed out there are two paths or two, two uh, polar of competence. So the one is the disposition, which is co uh, closely related to achievement tests. And the performance-based testing is more related to the behavior, to how someone is acting um, in that specific situation. So the research doing performance-based testing tries to put students or graduates in a specific situation and then tell them, just imagine this situation and please try to handle this situation. This can be based on computer, but mainly it's based in role plays, in simulated role plays. So that's actually what we have done in Castle. 
So they put students in a specific scenario, and then they have to take different roles. And then you can observe how they communicate, how they get involved in the team, how they present, or something like that. And then you have a, a standardized uh, observation form, and then you can rate them. Of course, it's quite complex. You need a lot of resources and a lot of power. But uh, what we can say, the skills are highly motivated to participate, which is quite different if you're using achievement tests. So, so far, I think the people who are, or the groups who are involved in that, they're quite optimistic, even if you need a lot of resources. So when I'm trying to bring these five different approaches together and compare them on different indicators, I would say if, you know, if we are talking about what kind of competences are you measuring, what we can say is that the self-reports mostly don't define the way of competences they are using. And this is quite good when you look at the job requirement or the student engagement because they define what they are interested in and then they operationalize their question. And the achievement tests and the role plays are also quite specific about the way or the, the approaches of competences they are measuring. I think if you're interested in added value in the gains in learning outcomes, it's very hard to say anything about it if you're using self-reports. Mm -hmm. And of course, it's very hard if you're using any surveys. But of course, it is quantifiable <laughs> if you're using more direct ways, more direct measurements. Mm -hmm. But doing research in it, <laughs> <it's> <laughs> you're talking always about resources, of course. And of course, um, the development and the applying, especially the applying, it's very economic to use any questionnaire. Then you can, you know, just spread it out, students or graduate fill it out, and then you get it back. And this is different if you're using the direct measurements, because you have to put in a lot of effort for developing and also for um, making the data, using the data. But as I already said, I think it's important to take the student's motivation also into account because we, we know that the students are willing mostly to fill out a questionnaire. <laughs> we have some issues there because we have also dropout in, in surveys, but they're really low in using achievement tests because they are getting threatened. But what we can say, we have a high motivation by the role plays and also talking about access to higher education in the different groups of students who get access to the higher education system, this might be connected to specific social groups of students. So I think it's also important not to threaten anyone to get the whole picture. That's actually what I tried to say, and I also <laughs> go with you completely if you're interested in a, in a whole picture, in a holistic picture of competences or learning outcomes, I would like to recommend um, that we need a combination of different approaches. And if you use one specific um, approach or assessment, make sure what you're measuring, what kind of competences are you measuring, 
and is the kind, the, the one you're interested in, because all the different ways capturing a specific picture of competences. Okay. So thank you very much, and I'm very much looking forward for exchange and discussion. Thank you.